Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends? It's your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is... Wednesday, December 2nd. You may have seen yesterday that it was indeed my birthday. I'm very thankful for all those who reached out. And uh, yeah, I took the day off work and uh, because of COVID, because of a snowstorm that we had here in Guelph, I kind of just uh, laid low, read, napped a bit, drank some coffee, ate some cupcakes, had some cider, and it was a, it was a great day. And, and again, thank you to those who reached out on social media Uh, to say happy birthday. Today on the podcast, we're going to continue our series of which Bruins wore it best by looking at numbers 60 through 69. And uh, usually we do that on Mondays, but this Monday had a special guest on the podcast, Rich Peverly. Thanks to all those who, who listened to that episode. And if you missed it, please go back and check it out because it's always great to chat with Rich for sure. Uh, So yeah, today we're going to look at those numbers to see the best Bruins to wear each of those numbers in the 60s, and then also just kind of update where the NHL is at with its return to play plan for what's hoped to be an upcoming season, but seems uh, a bit up in the air at this point. No thanks to the owners. Uh, Before we get to all that, let me remind you that the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. I listen to my podcasts on Pocket Casts, and uh, I've already seen some people posting Spotify Wrapped and uh, Locked on Bruins coming up as their most listened to podcasts. Uh, Quite an honor and uh, might be more an issue of quantity than anything else, but uh, thank you so much for those of you who do download on a regular basis. The easiest way to keep up on the podcast is to subscribe each new episode, add it to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review the podcast, that would be very much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, Instagram, you can find the podcast at LO underscore Boston Bruins on Twitter at Locked On Boston Bruins on Instagram, and you can find me at both places at Ian C. McLaren. Um, what else is there by way of introduction? I think that is pretty much it. So let's just dive right in here to the numbers discussion, shall we? Now, if you have seen the movie Goon, you will know that uh, Jay Baruchel's character encourages Doug Glatt to pick the number 69 because it is hilarious. Well, in the history of the Boston Bruins, no player has decided to take the comedic route and therefore no player has ever worn number 69 for the Boston Bruins. Again, I'm getting this information from Hockey Reference, which is, of course, a great resource for all hockey fans. When it comes to number 68, there are six options to choose from. We have Milan Jurcina, Miko Lettinen, Jamie Tardif, Brian Ferlin, and then the two main candidates, Yarmir Yager and Jack Stanika. As I talked about with Rich Peverly on Monday's podcast, Yager came to the Bruins by way of the Dallas Stars. 
He was acquired for a first-round pick in 2013 that was used to select Jason Dickinson. Uh, Altogether, Yager appeared in uh, 11 regular season games for the Boston Bruins, scoring two goals and adding seven assists. Unfortunately, in the postseason, he wasn't quite able to find the success that the Bruins were banking on as they advanced to the Stanley Cup final that year. In 22 playoff games, he did record 10 assists, but he did fail to find the back of the net on 58 shots, uh, zero goals, which, uh, you know, was very obviously unfortunate. The fact that both he and um, Tyler Sagan were unable to score in the postseason was really uh, a killer for the Boston Bruins. And, uh, you know, if either of those players have been able to get on a bit of a run, then um, actually I shouldn't say that. Tyler Sagan did score one goal in 22 games. Um, So between Sagan and Yager, one combined goal, you know, if either of them had even been able to reach their, you know, career averages in terms of shooting percentage, it could have been a different story for the Bruins that year. But uh, no goals in 22 games for Yager, and that really hurt the Bruins in their eventual final loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, there is one other player to mention, and that is Jack Stanika, who currently wears number 68 for the Boston Bruins. Had a very good showing for the team in the bubble playoffs here in uh, 2020. He did not score in any of those games, but he had a very successful AHL season and um, looks to be a very solid building block for the team moving forward. At the moment, I can't quite give him the title of the best Bruin to wear number 68. That has to go to Yager. He's a, a legend. He, by all accounts, was great in the room, fun to play with, and a big part of the team, despite being unable to to find the back of the net there. So number 68, I'm still going to award to Yarmir Yager, just because, I mean, how cool is it to have Yager in black and gold, even for a short time? And uh, it would have been amazing to have his name on the cup as a Bruin, but alas, uh, it didn't, didn't come to pass. Number 67, there are two options. We have Benoit Pouliot, who appeared in 74 games for the Bruins over the course of one season, and that was 2011-12. 16 goals, 16 assists, a very effective possession player for the Bruins. A little bit underrated in some ways, I think. Didn't quite, um, you know, earn the respect that he deserved, I don't think. As a Bruin, 55.2 Corsi rating at even strength, meaning he's on the ice for more shot attempts for than against. The other candidate is uh, Jacobs Borrell. And again, he has a chance to really carve out a spot for himself on the Bruins blue line as early as this season. Uh, High hopes for him as a first round pick back in 2015. And there's certainly room for him to blossom at the pro level with Tori Krug having left and some uncertainty about Zdeno Chara's future with the team, but still going to give it to 
Benoit Pouliot, he played that one full season with the Bruins and, um, you know, yeah, had a pretty good season, 30, 32 points in 74 games. Uh, the Bruins, of course, lost to the Washington Capitals in the first round that year after winning uh, the Cup the year before. And uh, Pouliot contributed one goal and one assist in those seven games in which Braden Holtby was uh, just unreal, if you recall that series. No player has worn number 66 for the Bruins. And, uh, you know, that's a number that is kind of off limits around the NHL, considering Mario Lemieux wore it. Josh Hosang recently wore it with the New York Islanders and came under much scrutiny, although I think that's dumb. If, if the number is not retired by the team or the league, then you're free to wear it. Uh, it's a bit of a flex, I guess, but still um, uh, a show of confidence in yourself, shall we say. And I don't, I don't mind that at all. Um, before we get to numbers 65 and down, let's talk for a moment about Built Go. It's an exciting new product from the makers of Built Bar, and it can help you break through that mental or physical wall that we all hit at some point throughout the workday. It comes in easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, so you can stow and go if you're still going to the office or if you're on the road for your job. And it's also considered the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five-hour energy boost without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural and better for your body. comes in three delicious flavors. My favorite is peanut butter honey, but you can also get chocolate coconut and chocolate mint. How does it work so well? Well, it combines energy gel with a collagen protein that's fast-absorbing, gets into your system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach, contains... Beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine, as well as B6, B12. And finally, it promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So it also makes you look better as well. Visit builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order at builtgo.com. Let's go. All right, let's keep rolling with these numbers, shall we? I should remind you as well that on Friday's episode, you can expect a mailbag segment that usually comes on Wednesdays, but because things are a bit backwards this week with Rich Peverly on Monday, Jersey numbers today, we'll go with the mailbag on Friday. So if you have any questions, feel free to send them to at LO underscore Boston Ruins or at ENC McLaren on Twitter. At number 65, we have two options. That would be Brett Harkins. He played 44 games for the Bruins in 96-97, a seventh-round pick of the New York Islanders in 1989, four goals, 14 assists in 44 games for the Boston Bruins. That's compared with Andrew Bodnerchuk, who was a fifth-round pick of the Bruins in 2006. He only appeared in five games for the Bruins, Zero points, minus two rating, two penalty minutes. So the edge here goes to Brett Harkins. And if you have a Brett Harkins jersey out there, then I give you the highest amount of respect because that must be a once-in-a-lifetime purchase, and who knows how many other people have that out there. Number 64, we have Jarno Kultinen, who played for the Bruins from... 
2001 to 2003. He appeared in 102 games, two goals, 11 assists, a sixth round pick back in 2000. Defenseman, left hand shot. Hey, they could use him right now. Also, we have Lance McDermott, a fourth round pick of the Bruins in 2009. Eight games, zero points. 15 penalty minutes. Not looking too good here for number 64s. 2015, we had Bobby Robbins. Three games, zero points, 14 penalty minutes. And then at, in, sorry, in 2016, we had Tyler Randall, a sixth round pick in 2009. He actually appeared in 27 games, scored six goals. Um, so it's a bit of a toss-up, I think, between Randall and Bobby Robbins. I'm going to give the edge here to Robbins because of the way he set himself apart as a member of the Providence Bruins. Like I mentioned, he did only appear in three games in the NHL, and that came at the age of 32. Uh, but he was a, a grinder, a fighter, and um, he you know, was a quite a trooper for the Providence Bruins down in the AHL. A UMass Lowell alum, he played in 282 games in the AHL, and um, he scored 28 goals, recorded 37 assists, and racked up a whopping 833 penalty minutes. He won the AHL's Most Penalized Player Award in 2012-2013, and he was thought to be perhaps a replacement for the Bruins after Sean Thornton departed, but, uh, you know, suffered a head injury and was unable to uh, continue his NHL playing career. Kind of a, a blast from the past in some ways, that prototypical NHL fighter that we don't really see anymore, but he was also known for being a, a poet um, and, you know, uh, a very talented writer as well. So I do recommend you check out some of his his written work uh, to see that he was not just uh, a face puncher, but uh, a very complex, complex guy. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to, you know, get a good run at the NHL level, but he was a, a very memorable Providence Bruin, to be sure. At number 63, there's no debate here. The options are Patrick Traverse, Matt Herr, and of course, Brad Marchand, whose name should very well be hung up at the Garden Rafters when his career is completed. Marchand was drafted 71st overall by the Bruins back in 2006. He spent a couple seasons down in the AHL with the Providence Bruins, made his NHL debut during the 2009-2010 season, and then really came into his own for the Bruins during the cup run in 2011, recording 11 goals and 8 assists in largely a checking role for the Bruins in 25 games um, as basically a rookie for the Bruins. Since then, he's gone on to put up 290 career goals, 356 assists for 646 points in 751 games. His Game has really evolved over the years from that uh, chippy, radish style where he would 
really toe the line, go over the line, get suspended quite often. And just last season, he was a 100-point player. He was on pace for that. This season, before the COVID pause, 87 points through 70 games. And, you know, he really just only seems to be getting better. He can play in all situations. One of the game's best penalty killers. Lethal on the power play as well. And he, you know, could very well be in the Hall of Fame when when it's all said and done as well. He's won a Stanley Cup. He has also won uh, a World Cup for Canada, scoring the game-winning goal against uh, Team Europe back in 2016. He's won two World Junior Championship gold medals, a World Championship with Canada, President's Cup champion in the QMJHL. So really, he's won at all levels, and hopefully he gets a shot at being on the Canadian Olympic team uh, in 2022, if all things go well. So yeah, Hall of Fame resume to be sure, and uh, definitely number 63 will be hung from the rafters at some point in the future. Uh, which I don't think can really be debated at all at this point. Moving on to number 62, there are six players who have worn this number. Yevgeny Shaldibin in 1997, Andrei Nazarov 2001 to 2002, Milan Lucic won the, wore the number before pivoting to his number 17, Jeff Penner wore it in 2010, Josh Hennessy in 2012, and Zach Trotman in 2014 to 2016. Looking at all these numbers, wow, it's really hard to say, but uh, I guess we'll give the edge to Zach Trotman, I guess. 67 games, 3 goals, 9 assists. Uh, What did Lucic do while wearing the number in 2008? Let's see. Well, let's give the edge, well, probably as a rookie, 8 goals. 19 assists. He did eventually change his number, uh, which we'll get to when we get to it. But I guess, yeah, sure. 62 goes to Lucic as well. We'll give him a couple in the same way that Mark Savard had a couple as well. Number 61. The options are Bill Heward, Marquise Matthew, Byron Bitts, Craig Cunningham, and Rick Nash. I'm going to go with the sentimental choice here. Rick Nash, I was so... So happy when the Bruins added Rick Nash prior to the 2018 trade deadline. He appeared in 11 games for the Bruins. Three goals, three assists, six points. Of course, he did suffer a concussion that ended up uh, ending his career, but he did manage three goals, two assists in 12 playoff games. I so desperately wish he could have remained healthy for the Bruins and possibly come back the following season. Um, Yeah, he was one of my favorite non-Bruins, and it was amazing to see him play for the team, kind of like Yager, uh, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, I mean, sorry, Rick Nash was always a guy that I tried to trade for in, uh, you know, playing general manager mode in NHL games. And uh, again, I wish he could have been... A Bruin for longer, remain healthy, but, um, you know, he ended up retiring and uh, we wish him all the best, of course, uh, continuing on. Number 60, Kirk Nielsen, Brian Finley, Vladimir Sabatka. Things didn't really work out with Sabatka in Boston and in the NHL as a whole. 
uh, but probably give him the edge here. He had 134 games with the Bruins, six goals, 16 assists. His career came to a weird end in Buffalo where he was kind of traded from St. Louis without his consent. I don't really know exactly what happened, but there were some, uh, some issues there. And unfortunately that's how he uh, ended his career. But um, yeah, as far as number sixties go, he is the top guy for the Bruins. And that does it for another round of which Bruins were best. We'll probably be back on Monday with numbers 50 through 59. If you have any dissenting opinions, feel free to send those to at ENC McLaren or at LO underscore Boston Bruins on Twitter.com. Let's finish with some news and notes from around the NHL. And the standoff continues between the league and the players as speculation persists over what this next season might look like. First of all, from Darren Dreger of TSN, he says the owners could lean towards canceling the season altogether uh, due to, you know, a lack of certainty in regards to revenue. And I think I read the other day it could cost upwards of $150 million per team to have a season without fans. And so the league, even just a few months after coming up, with a new CBA agreement with the players could try to avoid hosting a season in 2021 to save some money in the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The NHLPA could challenge this move in federal court as an illegal lockout, but Dreger says force measure, which is a law term, involving unforeseeable circumstances preventing the fulfillment of a contract. In this case, um, the CBA would be applied by the owners because of the pandemic. So basically they're citing extraordinary circumstances in the decision not to host a season this year. He also said the league believes the spirit of the existing agreement provides them with cancellation protection. The owners also wouldn't have to pay the players, and that's obviously key. Uh, neither side wants to cancel the season, but you know the owners feel like they don't really have a choice. Now, player agent Alan Walsh took to Twitter on Tuesday to dispute the force majeure idea. He claims if the owners cancel the season because the players won't give another $300 million in concessions, it would be considered a lockout, and that would leave the owners at risk of facing billions of dollars in potential damages if the Players Association took them a court. Walsh added he feels the owners are just trying to frighten the players into making more concessions. Perhaps it's being done to lay the groundwork against any potential media fan backlash over a potential cancellation. Uh, basically putting the ball in the players' court saying they're the bad guys in this situation. There's reports claiming the NHL and the PA remain determined to start a season, even beginning in January, but at this point, it doesn't look like it will happen until at least mid-February. Frank Saravelli of TSN reports the preference is for both sides to open the season in all 31 NHL arenas, obviously for revenue purposes, as well as allowing players to spend more time with their families. The league recognizes 
It would have to be flexible with the schedule and locations because of, you know, continuing rising cases of COVID-19 throughout North America. And, you know, Canada isn't immune to that. No pun intended. There are cases rising here. Hybrid bubbles are a backup option, but not a preferred one, as well as temporary realignment, including a Canadian division. That remains more of a likelihood than, uh, you know, the kind of bubble situation that they had been considering. Now here on Wednesday morning, Chris Johnson of Sportsnet uh, bringing the story that the Finnish Liga is postponing all scheduled games from uh, tomorrow through December 19th because of the deteriorating situation with COVID-19 and stricter restrictions imposed in some regions of the country. And LeBron piggybacked on that, saying the NHL and the PA are paying close attention to how other hockey leagues around the world are faring, not to mention how the NFL is trying to power through and... Uh, you know, not very successfully, I should add. Um, Canada, Team Canada World Juniors still remain in quarantine in Alberta. If you want to get a firsthand perspective of what that looks like, uh, listen to the Jay and Dan podcast from this week. They interview Winnipeg Jets draft pick Cole Perfetti, who talks about, yeah, what it's like to be stuck in a hotel room for two weeks while they try to get COVID-19 under control among Team Canada uh, with a view to, you know, participating in the tournament, hosting the tournament in Edmonton beginning on uh, Christmas Day. So, yeah, lots up in the air in regards to COVID-19, whether hockey will come back. Rich Peverly talked the other day about the OHL and uh, the fact that the QMJHL has been put on pause because they had been trying to host a regular season and there's COVID cases going on over there as well. Uh, so just a mess and um, yeah, no real <laughs> um, idea of what is going to happen, basically. Speaking of the World Juniors, Team USA named their preliminary roster for the tournament the other day. And first round pick of the Boston Bruins, John Beecher, is among those players. He is joined by some notable names like uh, Cole Caulfield, Bobby Brink, Nick Robertson, Arthur Kaliev, uh, Spencer Knight, Dustin Wolf, among others, Cam York on defense for uh, the team that hopes to medal at the upcoming tournament, like I said, which will be held in uh, Edmonton. Anyways, I think that's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks again for the birthday wishes wishes oh my gosh i need another coffee and uh yeah i hope you're all doing well uh, and staying safe and positive out there what am i watching these days sons of anarchy um on season six now spoiler alert the uh, club just blew up at the hands of the irish i'm reading anxious people by frederick bachman which is amazing uh again if you haven't read bear town or the follow-up to that do get on that right away I uh, started watching Palm Springs last night. I hope to finish that tonight. Very entertaining. And uh, yeah, watching Justified as well. Uh, the old Timothy Oliphant show, which I'm finding to be quite entertaining so far. Anyways, that's pretty much it for today. Like I said, we'll be back Friday with 
a mailbag segment. So please do send in some questions via Twitter or even on Instagram. And do go back and listen to the Rich Peverly interview if you haven't caught it yet. And uh, yeah, if you haven't subscribed yet, do that too. And also please rate and review. Those are all my suggestions for today. Have a great uh, rest of your Wednesday, friends, and we'll talk to you again on Friday. Peace.